0: And welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with Mental Health America of Wisconsin. We're your co hosts, Bridget and Terry.
1: Each week, through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you.
0: We are not experts or therapists. We are sisters and best friends who live with depression and have learned that hearing others speak openly and without shame makes it easier to believe depression is a common and treatable illness, not a personal failing. You are far from alone. Hello, Bridget. Hi, Terry. Last week, we promoted what we thought was going to be this week's episode. But news of the recent mass shootings in the U.S. has been really hard on a number of people in our Facebook community. And after reading their comments, we decided to focus instead on how to process the barrage of heartbreaking news and how to protect our mental health.
1: The comments posted on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page included feelings of frustration, upset, anger, fear, sadness, and hopelessness. One woman wrote that she feels torn because her doctor and therapist have recommended she stop watching the news, but she feels that turning away from it is like turning away from the people involved.
0: Mm. So we reached out to private psychologist and author Dr. Robert Duff, or Duff the Psych as he's known on the internet, to ask for some insights.
1: There's always been bad news and I used to be a crime reporter, so I'm very aware of that, but These days, it seems like you can't pick up a newspaper magazine, turn on the radio or watch TV, you know, without being bombarded by really intense news. And so my question is, you know, what does constant exposure do to our mental health, especially for those of us who might have depression or anxiety going in?
2: For anybody, you know, if you're starting your day and you're in a neutral or good mood, and the first thing that you see is something that's completely tragic or very, very intense, it's obviously going to change things. Um, I think that. It's okay to have a sense of personal responsibility. That you need to know what is going on in the world. You need to be aware of things. Um, but one of the sort of key skills I think that this, you know, these current generations that we're in need to master is is how to regulate news input, how to use it in a way that's that's constructive for them, rather than just passively letting everything come to you because it can be. Uh, you know, like at the, the light end, throwing a wrench in your day and on the more severe end, really, really contributing to things like agoraphobia or PTSD or just a sense of hopelessness about the world.
1: Agoraphobia, by the way, as defined by Mayo Clinic, is a type of anxiety disorder in which you fear and avoid places or situations that might cause you to panic or make you feel trapped, helpless or embarrassed. So if starting the day with tragic news can impact it, we asked Duff if watching those same images before bed can negatively affect our sleep.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I'm a big fan of not having my phone in the bedroom at all and kind of unplugging from the world for, you know, at least 30 minutes before going to bed. Because, yeah, you basically take whatever you're thinking about, whatever's going on in the world street with you into bed, which is not always very productive. Um... But, you know, I I think there needs to be a balance again, you know, finding those times where you want to keep those sacred, you're not necessarily allowing the world to come in and intrude in in your sleep or, you know, your productivity for the day, but also making a point to make sure that you are informed, you know, you kind of are doing your part and so you don't feel necessarily guilty or or left out uh, when you don't know what's going on
1: the difference between as you said reading or hearing something on the radio as opposed to the
2: images how effective a line is that to draw practicing a little bit of self-awareness you know kind of uh, acknowledging the way that different content affects you is going to be important uh, certainly reading something on you know in a newspaper or on a on a blog in just text form is potentially going to be less intense than hearing something happening or seeing something happening. But at the same time, you know, acknowledge how these different things hit you. Um, are you in a mental space where it's going to really, really, really mess you up to see something that might be, you know, a little bit horrific or tragic? Or is that something that you sort of have the the bandwidth to handle right now in making a choice based on that?
1: Mm-hmm. And. I'm thinking to myself that this time, you know, and I despise that we're saying this time or that I'm saying this time, because it used to be, Mm -hmm. you know, when we talked about it, there was sort of an it and now there are so many of them, but I I can't watch it this time. I'm just saying, I can't see those images. I don't, and it's not that I'm hiding from reality, but I don't see any benefit to me to having those images because I don't know. I wonder sometimes if people with depression or maybe other things too are more empathetic, and I feel it, and it hurts me.
2: Oh, I think a hundred percent. I think that um, people, a lot of people with mental illness, are more empathetic, or at least feel more more strongly in general. You know, there's stronger reactions in whatever way. And I think that what you're talking about is part of that self awareness that that I talked about. It's not like you don't know what happened. You know, it's not like you don't know what's going on. It's not like you don't know what those implications are for sort of your worldview. Your Political view, your view of 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 everything, so you know that stuff. What you're saying is that um, you don't have sort of the emotional real estate to expose yourself to the imagery of that.
1: Dr. Graham Davey, who specializes in the psychological effects of media violence, is quoted in an article we'll link to at this episode as saying, Viewing negative news, especially broadcasts that emphasize suffering and the emotional components of the story, means you're more likely to see your own personal worries as more threatening and severe, and that when you do start worrying about them, you're more likely to find your worry difficult to control and more distressing than it would normally be.
2: We do a lot of emotional reasoning um, as humans where because we feel a certain way we assume it to be true and the way that interacts with um, often anxiety is that when we feel uh, physically tense when we feel physical symptoms of anxiety. That prompts us to interpret what's going on around us as more threatening because it sort of matches up. You know, we we see something happen. We're already feeling sensations that that indicate fear. So we assume that that thing should be generating fear. That there is some sort of threat or danger there. So you know, watching things on the news that generate those feelings for you could certainly do that. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily. A, going to make a a, a massive, massive difference. Um, But that is certainly a personal thing.
1: And we can't pretend that threat or danger isn't very real, especially for certain people in certain places. But there's still a line between living with caution and living in
2: fear. It shouldn't stop you from living your life. You know, there's a risk to everything and living life isn't about Uh, denying that risk. It's about acknowledging it and kind of making a decision to live, you know, in the context of that. But I think that appropriate caution is part of that.
1: The second source we'll link to is a research paper on the mental and emotional health of children exposed to acts of terrorism in the media. It concludes that even after the events are off the news, the horrifying images and memories are pervasive and do not heal easily.
2: There are some kids that certainly are very sensitive to this sort of thing, will very much take it to heart. They can certainly show reactions to it and changes in their behavior. But um, making the assumption that this is something that's, instantly going to traumatize your kid, I think is also a mistake, you know, so talking with them about it and, and processing it, you know, in a way that, that, that they can understand and returning to the matter, you know, um, because they're going to have questions, you know, um, they're going to see a picture of a, of a bulletproof backpack on the news and they're going to say, do I need that? And that's a prompt to have a conversation about it, you know, and it's unfortunate, but it's also um, where we are right now.
1: And those discussions, those sensitive and nothing any of us want to have, can offer a bit of reassurance.
2: The statistics are still on your side. It's it's very unlikely for any given person that that this is going to happen to them, you know. And so, talking with them about the fact that you know um, there there are some people in the world who who do you know cause harm to others. It's something that we need to be careful of, but we don't need to be worried about all the time.
1: It makes me sad to think that we are being conditioned to be on guard at a street festival or in a Walmart or, you know, at a sporting event or whatever. It seems like it would be very hard to be mentally healthy and feel safe and secure when you are on at least code orange alert. It is.
2: (laughs) Yeah, 100%. You know, I mean, uh, it's... Uh, I think that right now we need to keep in mind, you know, we meaning like mental health professionals need to keep in mind that the state of the world, certainly the state in the United the United States, uh, is such that we we need to interpret people's anxiety a little bit differently. You know, um, I, I kind of don't blame people sometimes for being more agoraphobic, being more cautious about going out and things like that, because um, you know there are. Uh, things that are somewhat preventable that are happening here that are not happening other places and have not happened at different times. So that that should change the way that you view the world.
1: And for both kids and adults, Duff says it's easy to feel helpless with the kind of news we're being bombarded with and that channeling those feelings
2: into positive actions can be helpful. Being active is better than being passive in general, right? If you just sit back, let this hit you, um, you know, let it hurt and then leave it at that. That's going to be less productive than even something active, would just be talking about it. So, rather than spending all that time replaying images or kind of doing that self flagellation thing I was talking about, maybe spend that time having a conversation with someone about it, exploring what your feelings are about it, talking about whether there's anything that that can be done, and, and, and actually sort of actively processing it rather than just letting it hit you over and over again. Um, and then, of course, certainly things like volunteering, writing letters, you know. Um, uh, trying to, you know, maybe educate somebody if you have a if you have a point of view that you think someone needs educating on, whatever the case may be, that's helpful as well in terms of sort of starting to alleviate that that sense of helplessness. It's not gonna change what happened. It's not gonna change all this other stuff, you know, in, in the broad sense, but at least it's doing something and maybe it's working toward a piece of that.
0: I personally am a sensitive person and I very intentionally shelter myself for most of the news. You know, I've switched from listening to NPR to books on tape. I keep my phone out of my room at night, informing my loved ones to call me on my landline if they need me. And I do watch the news and review on Fridays, though, so I have a sense of what's going on in the world. I just need to protect myself and I think Facebook's the hardest place to do it, Terry. Hmm. I scroll through all the political stuff and all the crisis stuff as fast as I can, but sometimes it's like watching a motion picture, you know, flash in front of me as I scroll through.
1: Interesting. We did get a a comment this morning when I posted a promotion for this episode, and um, one of our listeners, Patty, said she limits the news to once a day. She said it's just too much and so tragic, and for her, she said the news is toxic. So then there are people who just have to see and hear everything so that they can form their opinions, so that they can fully understand and see um, all of the aspects and and all of the fallout of the terrible things that are happening. One interesting thing is I didn't notice until I was editing this that I was kept saying the images, and I never once said mass shootings or deaths or domestic terrorism or any of those big words. It was like at that the moment when I was doing this interview, I must have been really protecting myself because I just thought it was a interesting.
0: A almost. Yeah, yeah, it was
1: very peculiar because, you know, again, as yeah. a former reporter, I kind of jumped right into it all. I want to read one more quote that um, actually was our promotion today that's from one of the two articles we're going to be Uh, linking to and it's interesting because it sort of points out two things that can happen when you have repeated exposure to graphic violence and it's that over time exposure to graphic violence can cause a process of either sensitization in which individuals become more sensitive to emotional distress upon viewing the images or desensitization a sort of numbing process in which individuals become habituated to what they see either of those can occur and I don't really know which is worse they're both um I would say bad, to use a judgmental word. Anyway, thank you to Duff for being available Um, last minute. Again, we just sort of went, wait, we have to address this because not only were we getting a lot of comments about the news, but we were seeing far more crisis on our our Facebook page and and in social media in general, as you referenced, and we just wanted to see if there was some way to sort of come in and – Describe that it is an actual skill we have to develop to, to be a gatekeeper almost for how much, and how intense of news we're going to allow to bombard us, and as these things, unfortunately, continue to happen.
0: Mm, heartbreaking it is. Thanks, Terry. I know this was a hard one.
1: Thank you, Bridget, and I love you. And uh, thanks to Dr. Duff.
0: Everybody, take care of yourselves. Bye. Bye.